Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I invite an actor or artist friend to watch an episode with me. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another Wednesday, another episode. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. My guest this week is Martin Kunz. Martin is a returning guest. He hasn't been on the show since the second episode. Season one, episode two. That seems like eons ago. Any hoozle, I'm glad to have him back. Thank goodness for Zoom. Nothing can stop this podcast from being made much as you may wish otherwise. One little quick shout out. I want to give a special hello and thank you to Rebecca T. And she knows why. Martin Kunz and I this week watched season six, episode 15, called Working It Out. And the original air date was January 9th of 1985. Let's do this already, huh? Let's jump on in. Let's face the facts with Martin Kunz. Well, live via Zoom all the way from the outer banks of Los Angeles, California, ladies and gentlemen, Martin Kunz. Thank you. Thank you all. I want to thank the Academy for, wait, where am I? What's no. happening? What? No, no. It's not that. It's a, you know, you LA people and your Coke parties, you're always high. Oh, I had Coke this morning. Of course, <laughs> it was a zero with some sherry, but you know. <laughs> Why haven't they come up with like the drug called Coke Zero? Like something where it's it's got, you know, you, you come down a lot smoother from it. I did not think that would be our opening topic, but there you go. Who knew? <laughs> Let's start off with a start off with a bump. Yes, uh, that's what I like to do. And then we can ensure that I will talk nonstop and never let my guest get a word in edgewise. Oh, that I don't think that's possible with me. We've known each other long enough. So, um, you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. You haven't been on the show. It's been two and a half years, young man. I believe it was episode two, I believe. <laughs> the very, very second episode of the series and of this podcast you were you were there for its infancy. It's crazy. Oh, and now we're in those awkward teen years. I've got a lot of zits, you know. <laughs> My voice will randomly change in the middle of it. <laughs> I wish we were there. In fact, we are, because we're in the middle of season six, we only have three more to go. We are, I think we're just over the hill at this point. And some would argue season seven, eight, and nine fully support that. Right. Is that are those the are those the Cloris Leachman years? Bless her heart, we love her. The some say that that's the jump the shark. Some say that over our heads is jump the shark, <laughs> which is coming in season seven. I'm I'm reserving judgment in the level uh, to which I plan to hate the upcoming three seasons. There you go. We'll see. Um, I was just re-listening though to our show this morning. I was like, is there anything we can uh, uh, follow up on or discuss, or is there anything of note when you were last here? First of all, you were last here because you were here. That was in the before times when we could travel. Remember right? those days? Yeah, we actually saw each other and occupied the same space mask-free, and we were not of the same household. Mm. So many things were so different. I do remember that episode. That's the one that 
Blair's mom came to visit and I was like, Blair's mom, uh, Blair's mom's sole purpose was to say, well, here's how you become pretty and <laughs> stay pretty and make sure you're pretty. By the way, pretty is what's important. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. By the way, I just uh, realized I had the wrong microphone going. So hopefully my sound quality just improved drastically. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it that did. was the the original Blair's mother, not Marge Doucet, whom we love and has shown what a fucking amazing actress she is on her few appearances on the show uh, since that time. But this was the uh, Blair's mom... Monica 1.0, I guess we could call her. Right. And it was just, ugh, the episode was, it was about uh, her mother being pretty and everyone fawning over her prettiness. And then when she does one thing that may be morally questionable, instantaneously Blair is like, well, I don't want to be like her and I don't want to be pretty. So... Putting yeah, hair I have a... that problem all the time. Once I get morally <laughs> questionable, I really yeah. try to I really try to bridge troll myself a little bit, you know? <laughs> it's like, so putting cold cream on your face and adding side ponytails is a yeah. protest somehow yeah, against your natural beauty. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, the, it's the she's all that makeover, you know? Once you get the side ponytails, mm -hmm. you're done. Yep. That's literally my favorite moment in Not Another Teen Movie is mm -hmm. I'm going to make her prom queen. Her? But she has glasses. And, and a, a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Chris Evans walking out in a whipped cream bathing suit. Not at all. No, not at that's all. not no. my favorite moment. No, yeah. absolutely not. Well, the other things uh, of note from that last episode, which uh, was... Um, uh, which precedes this episode by five and a half years, by the by, is that it was season one. So we didn't even have Joe. We had Mr. Bradley. We had Miss Mahoney. Um, I didn't have my theme song to my podcast. It's, my God, the humanity. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but with every single first season guest, I was reminded that I tell every one of them, or I told every one of them, that they have an automatic invitation to return to the show for a later good episode. And it only recently occurred to me that I need to start making good on that. Yeah. Before you hit those later seasons. <laughs> uh-huh. Before it's like, oh, remember how I said it would be good when you came back? Oops. Yeah. Well, uh, uh. Uh -huh. yeah. And the last thing of note is, uh, I did mention in my, uh, intro that I was going to do my damnedest to keep these podcasts 45 to 60 minutes long maximum. <laughs> yeah. Now, if it comes in under an hour and 30, I'm like, well, there it is. I've whoop I've, whoop. There it is. There I've you go. Split 20, the atom. This episode was twenty-two minutes and seven seconds. Let's see how much we can talk about. <sighs> so, Martin, let us not live anymore in the past, and let us now live in the present and talk about season six, episode fifteen, working it out from the original broadcast date of January 9th, nineteen eighty-five. So, this episode was written by Linda Marsh and Margie Peters. And they are the women who essentially came in and fixed the show in season two. They're the ones that added Joe, told the other girls to fuck off because they were awful actresses. And uh, they really did really and truly save the show. And typically, 
the best episodes are written by them. Typically? This one, not so much. And it was directed by Asad Kelada, who had been the in-house director for most of the shows. Um, he he leaves this season to go on to do other stuff, including a lot of Who's the Boss. But this is the final broadcast show of his in terms of going by IMDb and when the shows were broadcast. This is the final time we see directed by Asad Kelada. But here, this kind of relates to a sort of more general thing I want to talk about with the episode before we get into the nuts and bolts of the specifics. Uh, Working It Out is the title, and it is a very apt title because this is Asad Kalata's final broadcast episode, but this was only the third episode taped for the season. They had to tape the season out of order because Nancy McKeon essentially went on strike and didn't show up to work. So the first two episodes had to be filmed without her. And now with this, this is the first episode with Nancy McKeon back to work in having the whole crew together, having all of the cast. And I wonder if there was a sense of having to quickly throw it together because maybe they had to also be working on non-Nancy McKeon scripts if they had to fire her. And um, even though this is the 15th episode, it really does feel like a premiere, doesn't it, Martin? What do you mean? Well, in terms of it, it really does feel like it could be the first episode of the season. The idea that they're all back together again in the new school year, they're kind of again, working it out. They're figuring out their dynamic because they've been away for the summer and establishing ground rules, understanding that they're all growing. I mean, it does have that kind of feel, don't you think? Um, I mean, I don't know the history of the show that well, but I mean, I watched it like, you, I watched it like they were starting the school year because they're all focused on, you know, Nat's freaking out about her permanent record and Joe's trying to pick her major and mm-hmm. Blair's trying to, you know, pick her boyfriend. So like, I thought it was like a start of a school year. I don't know about so much a premiere, but, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean like a season premiere. You're, you're actually agreeing with me, uh, is that the season premiere for the facts of life typically is the beginning of a school year, the girls mm-hmm. returning from a summer hiatus and all that. And, uh, yeah. So there is, it is really weird chronologically to be in this place where they're all just being horrible. They're all awful people in this episode, aren't they? No one's, well, no one's listening to each other. I mean, they're literally just talking past each other. Mm -hmm. Someone's saying something and they're just like, oh, is that a lead in for me to talk? Great. Here's what I want to talk about. And I'm like, wow, no one, I mean, just that opening conversation at the table between Tootie and Mrs. Garrett is actually irritating because neither one of them is re- like Mrs. Garrett opens it up and then Tootie completely ignores her. And then yeah. she just keeps building. I'm like, is anyone going to actually hear what the other person says? No, you're, you're totally right. You are totally right. And um, with that, you have some feelings about this episode. I understand. Oh, come now. We, we need to discuss the moral ambiguity of this episode. There was a clear moral challenge given, and the solution at the end of the episode was, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, what? Yeah, there was a lot of shit going on, a lot of stuff, and 
complicated, complex things, unnecessarily complex things, I think. And the and the big sort of solution, the whole final building up to was just kind of like, eh, that's that's a good way to let's I think. see what happens. It's like, no, let's not, you know. No. Yeah, no. no. Tootie needed a slap without question. <laughs> That is that is not what, ama- a- what amazed me is even from the word go in the episode, no one was listening to each other. They were talking, mm. they were talking to each other, and no one was like Mrs. Garrett was saying one thing, Tootie is saying something else. Really, all she's saying was, I really just wanted to say what I wanted to say. So your lead-in was just me having a chat. No, you're you're totally right. You are totally right. And um, with that, let's let's start getting into the the actual nuts and bolts microscopic synopsis that I love to do, and we'll we'll be hitting upon that again. All right. Mm-hmm. So here here's my beef, right? So the episode starts with Mrs. Garrett doing that whole Chinese feast for five thing. First of all, where did she get this entire place setting from? Like this the <laughs> Sears Lunar New Year collection. I mean, this is like. She has got bowls. She has got plates. She has got saucers. She has got small serving dishes where ginger and crap is sitting in. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Would you just have this lying around for the random time you decide to do a whole Chinese food thing? Yeah. And the fact that she's cooking it, she's like, my, you know, my recipe, Peking Palace would love this. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, no, just no. And no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's all the beautiful, fine white china with the dark blue patterns on it. And I'm like, you just happen to have that just lying around because you need a full table setting of this, you know, for those random times you decide to make Chinese food. Yeah, Um, it is. It's just weird. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense that you need to do this. It's like that, like that kind of dinner is an event, you know, like that would be like someone's birthday or someone, you know, you do this full event like I'm just cooking dinner. Let me, you know. Yeah. When I do my Italian food, do I sit there and do an Italian place setting and have like a picture of the Godfather there? You know, just yeah. Okay, got to get Mario out my Puzo theme. No, <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Where are my pasta bowls? I have I know, my special really. pasta bowls. And uh, yeah. So, yes, we have this big Chinese feast that Mrs. Garrett went to all this trouble to create, but she's angry that nobody but Tootie has showed up to actually eat it. And while that is going on, talking about your non-listening comment earlier, while she is stewing, Tootie is like, yeah, I'm mad at Natalie because we were supposed to leave for the movies 10 minutes ago. And it's Which like- so- she was going to blow off the meal too, if you do the math. Yes, <laughs> like- I thought that. It's like, I- you're going to show up and just take your Chinese to go? I mean, yeah. after all the after all the stunning place settings you had, you know? I, I totally get it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and the other thing is, this does bait the question that I have asked multiple times, and it has never been and will never be answered uh, throughout the series. Blair and Joe are living there instead of living in the dorms at college. Uh-huh. In exchange for working for Mrs. Garrett and helping her mind the store. Tootie and Natalie requested to be allowed to live there with the team, even though they go to a residential boarding school uh-huh. that is a ways away, that they have to now commute to a boarding school, and they don't get to live with their peers. They're living with these two older girls that are their friends. Uh, but 
there has never been a particularly structured manifesto of, all right, girls, you live here. Your living here means you have to give me X amount of hours per week working for the store. Mm -hmm. And in exchange for the work that I get from you, you are getting room and board because there's constantly, I'm not going to be home for dinner. Mrs. Garrett saying I'm making this and that. And it's like, when was it ever established that she's mom and has to fucking feed them? And, you know, they're expected to be home at dinner except when they call and say they're not. Mm -hmm. That's always been weird to me. And they didn't use their cell phones once, so I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, they ask questions, and I'm like, Google it, bitches. Jeez. (laughs) (sighs) But lastly, they... um, And and there was an episode where Natalie was shirking her responsibilities, and Mrs. Garrett handed her a check. And she's like, whoa, why is my paycheck so low? And she's like, because she barely worked. And I'm like... Uh, and because you shouldn't be making any fucking money anyway. You get to live there, and she feeds you. What the fuck is happening here? So then I take a pill. I go yeah, really? <laughs> and once I relax, I then can continue synopsizing this show. There you go. Um, so then Joe quickly comes in, kind of barrels through somewhat apologetically but her thing is she got stuck at the library and the line for the books was shorter than the line for the phone and so she had to so she chose the line with the books and she's really stressing out because it's her sophomore year and she's got to choose a major at college and uh hello and goodbye and her major was apparently accents because <laughs> because her accent in this was so ludicrously over the top she's like mrs garrett i had to pick my major Bada bing, bada boom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How you doing? This is a Mikey bag of books, and this is Johnny, Johnny, Joey bag of donuts. Yeah, Johnny bag of. <laughs> this is so being nitpicky, and I'm going to own that. If Mrs. Garrett has done this before and has done her Chinese feast for five with this full place setting, that's like a whole display. Joe walks in and goes, "Oh, you ordered out for Chinese." No, because apparently she's done this multiple times before. That's what she was. uh, The opening line of the episode was, I'm so upset that I did my Chinese feast for five and nobody showed up for it. Meanwhile, Joe walks in and goes, oh, look, you ordered out for Chinese. No, she would know that this was something Mrs. Garrett likes to do. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, you can't establish something and then two minutes later throw it out the window. It's like, you just can't do it. I'm I'm sorry, I veto it. It's been vetoed. No, thank you. That's fine. That will go in our notes to the writers in the time machine. Exactly. Please redo. Yeah. And the whole thing of, oh, you ordered in Chinese. It's like, uh, yeah, I ordered in Chinese. I threw out the paper boxes and dumped the food out onto my fine China from China. It's like, (laughs) from Sears. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to Roebuck? So, because she is mad at Natalie not showing up, Tootie says, you know what? I'm going to go see the Karate Kid by myself. And as she starts to leave and get her coat, Mrs. Garrett's like, wait, 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 you mean you're going to take the bus to the movie theater? And then Tootie's like, yeah. And she says, no, you're not. Tootie's like, why not? And Mrs. Garrett says, because you girls don't take the bus alone at night. In Terrytown, please note she did specify the town, and she went the bus alone at that night in Terrytown. I'm like, um, I don't recall Terrytown being some violent enclave 
in the evening. And plus, why can't Mrs. Garrett just drive her to the movies or pick her up when she's done? You know, they have phone booths in the movie theater as well where you could call somebody and please come get me. You know, it's like, what's wrong with that? I don't get it. This is a question I don't typically, um, I, I typically look this up and I forgot to. Is Terrytown really a place? Is that a real place? It's where my dad lives. Yes. I've been there. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, shit. It is the entrance to the Tappan Zee Bridge. So that's the main bridge that takes you out of New York and over the river. So, like, that's a main commuting point. And Terrytown is the last big town before you go over the bridge. Um, so it's um, a major New York thoroughfare. Like, it's not some podunk little nothing. And what I'm seeing is 29 minutes to get from Peekskill to Terrytown. Is that correct? Yeah, probably. That's the other thing, too. I'm like, where is this movie theater? They have no movie theater in Peekskill? I have to go to Terrytown, the movie theater? We know, we've had them go to movies before. What the fuck? <sighs> Okay. But I, that that does raise a, a dangerous point. Like, girls don't take the bus alone at night. I'm like, um, I mean, it's, yeah, that's the kind of thing my mom would have said back in the 80s, so I'm not saying it's unheard of. Yeah. But it, it's like, oh, well, you can't be going alone at night. You're a girl. Yeah. You know? But she's not wrong. And Tootie has had a history of being a little bit naive of being, <laughs> you know, the idea that if anyone was going to go to see a movie and come home instead with magic beans, it would be Tootie. So uh, she does come in later in the episode with magic feathers. So we'll get oh, to that. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. We have so much to cover here. Oh my God. Oh, all right. Um, and before Tootie has a chance to really put up a fight or an argument over this rule that mrs garrett has suddenly imposed it doesn't sound like it's a new rule it sounds like her saying no what you don't what the fuck that's you've never done that before and you're not going to start now uh then in comes natalie uh wearing her eastland uniform and uh by the way martin we've had many conversations about blair's blue blazer back mm -hmm. when she used to go to eastland i used to think the blazers were maroon like the vests and the skirts uh-huh. And the first time the blue blazer appeared, I was like, what is this wackiness? Well, it turns out there were never maroon blazers. I had a mismembered memory. Mm -hmm. Or I called a mismembery. Like and the smiles you left behind? Were they distant and <laughs> watercolored? <laughs> and so uh, with that, the discovery was that there was not only only blue blazers for the Eastland uniform. Nobody owned a blazer or ever <gasps> wore one except for Blair. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I used to say Blair's Blue Blazer was the name of the children's book I was going to someday write. Well, actually, that would make the blazer the power blazer then because Blair was always about status. So by wearing mm -hmm. the blazer, yeah. I mean, this is, this is our Heather's moment right here. You know, it's all about symbolism and power and stuff like that, which we will be discussing later, by the way, in this episode. More and more. Yes, we will. Um, but Natalie is wearing a blue blazer now. This is the <sighs> first time we have ever seen a, a second blue blazer. This is the first time we've ever seen Natalie wearing a blue blazer. Um, oh, but, but I will add, Martin, they do have blue cardigans. That was always the overdressing the cold weather thing was that we had blue cardigans, but never a blazer. Um, but here's the thing. This isn't the same one as Blair's blue blazer. This is a little darker blue in color. It is double-breasted instead of single-breasted. 
and it is exquisitely unflattering. <laughs> Just want to go on record. Uh, I did not notice the earlier parts because you are a bigger homosexual than I am. But <laughs> the last part, oh, yes. When she walked in, I'm like, hello, block of wood shoulders. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> that 80s blocky shoulder pads thing and yeah. nothing makes you look boxier than double breasted it just creates this panel of fabric over your midsection double breasted suits are for very specific body types i'm not a double breasted fan there i said it there yeah i i really appreciate you going out on these dangerous dangerous limbs yeah. you know and really stating your stating your truth as mm -hmm. for you there you go so then Natalie is complaining and in the process of not really listening to the others, Natalie is going on and is upset because she spent hours in Miss Down's office arguing to have some things removed from her personal file. You A know. Permanent record. Exactly. Her personal file. You know what that is? And Mrs. Garrett's like, oh, yeah, that's the record the school keeps of all your grades and all your other things and issues or whatever. And so Natalie says she spent three hours groveling to get some of the things removed from her permanent record. I don't know what Natalie did that was so terrible. Natalie's always been a good student, as far as I understood. And uh, it's it's just very weird. And then on top of that, when Tootie says, you know, we were supposed to go to the movies tonight. Natalie's like, oh, my God, we were. I stood you up, didn't I? And Tootie's like, yeah. And Natalie says, wow, that must be so humiliating for you. See what happens when you put on the Blair blazer? You become <laughs> the evil Heather. That's what it is. She, she became evil Heather in that moment. She put on the blazer oh. and became evil Heather. I I love that theory and I support it 100%. I just wish, Martin, that I could say previous to this, Natalie was always 100% ethical, nice, and good and pure. Yeah, it made no sense. It made no sense that Natalie would be completely mean in this moment and not only completely mean, but like purposely trying to throw it back at her. I mean, it's yeah. just like their relationship is not like that. You know, it just did not make sense for the character at all. Yeah. And then later they do kind of patch it up. There's kind of a nice, nicer friendship moment later. Thank God we need it in this episode. But before that, Blair then, oh, no, no, Natalie sits down to eat some of the food. And as she just starts shoveling it in, she's like, hmm, this must have been good when it was warm. It's like further insults to Mrs. Garrett and all she does for you, you ungrateful little bitches. Girls. <laughs> all right, that had to be done. It bitches. <laughs> So then in comes Blair, and she's got a hot guy with her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so while she she basically says, this is my date. Say hello, date. That was a great line. That <laughs> was a great him. line. Say hello, date. It's like Karen Walker on Will and Grace when the phone ring, and she'd say, oh, hi, pharmacist. Oh, hi, chauffeur. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> say hello, date. Now, I and do want to point out in this moment, Blair is wearing a tan outfit for this, and that's actually important, and I'll explain later why. But she is wearing a tan outfit, not flattering or unflattering, that's not important. It's just the outfit is tan when she brings in the date. Okay. Yes, continue. I'll explain later. All right. Mystery. The date. <laughs> okay. The date's name is Chaz, but her watch beeps, and it's like, oh, date's over go, got to get out of here. Go fuck yourself. Get out of here. And he's like, what, really? So soon? And it and, and turns out that she has been scheduling a lot of dates. And Tootie and Natalie kind of 
to the side say, wow, ever since Blair and Cliff broke up, she's been dating everything in Topsiders. Martin, what are Topsiders for the elderly impaired? Um, I barely remember those, but they are a specific type of shoes, um, and they would be considered very preppy and yuppie back in the day. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like a boat shoe type of a yes. thing. Yeah. So, um, the actor is Matthew Beck, sometimes billed as Matt Beck. Uh, he's still working. He's still out there. He's very attractive. Look him up on IMDb. He has got some very, very comely cowboy pictures up oh, there. Oh yes, so that that time on Wyatt Earp did him well. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but Blair says she has another date showing up very quickly. She's got to go upstairs and change. And Mrs. Garrett's like, well, well, where are you going? And when are you going to be back? And Blair is like, basically, like, I don't even have the time to tell you. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Garrett's response to that is, well, a little common courtesy doesn't take that long. Ding, ding, ding. Truer words never spoken. But Blair, completely nothing is clueless completely her head up her own ass in her own groove ignoring everybody the only time she seems to be listening to anything else happening in the room is joe says wow you were easier to deal with when you were engaged to cliff and blair quickly fires back we were not engaged they sized my finger but we never got the ring and she, it's kind of a bark, like, oh, okay, so It would have been topic. worse if they said, you know, they fingered her size, but, you know, that would have been... <laughs> <laughs> but the thing she's referring to is that Cliff was the boy she was very involved with mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of season five. And then season six, this is where the, the world of the order in which they are recorded versus the order in which they're broadcast gets really fucked up. But we know that Blair spent the summer with Cliff on his farm in Iowa. And we learned that. Well, that'll in, do it. I mean, right. That'll do it. I know. That'll do it. Nice, <laughs> hot, humid Iowa summer. Pass. Yeah. And yeah. Blair. I mean, where can she power blazer? She couldn't. She's like, <laughs> she put it on. The pigs wouldn't listen. You know, the cows it, were like, moo, bitch. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, it wasn't far from that when we saw it on season six, episode one. So that was the last time we saw Cliff was we knew that she was serious with him and that she spent the summer with him and it was okay. It wasn't like, and then we broke up. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing is chronologically in real time, that episode was taped after this one. And between that episode and this one in the broadcast order, We have seen Blair dating other guys or talking about men, but not in the context of, well, since I'm an engaged woman, well, since I'm Cliff's girl kind of a thing. So it's it's a very weird season. And I really want to say that it was because they had to do a lot of scrambling and catching up because of the Nancy McKeon unexpected absence. And really, this is the last of that. Um, in terms of once we get to next week, episode 16, their episodes are for the most part in the order in which they were broadcast, getting us to the end of the season. And, um, oh, oh, and another uh, indicator of that, Martin, Tootie's braces came off weeks ago. This episode got her braces back. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what's happening? I know. Nobody CGI'd <laughs> it out. What were they doing? Lazy? I, know. I said, them? send it to George Lucas. Send it to Skywalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. 
So with that, Blair goes upstairs, pretty much ignoring Mrs. Garrett and doesn't answer her question, doesn't say to her, well, where are you going? What are you doing? Not that Mrs. Garrett necessarily is entitled to know that, but she certainly is entitled to, uh, it was expected you were going to be home for dinner. You could have picked up the phone and told me you weren't coming. Uh-huh. Next, Martin, we have uh, a short scene that was cut from syndication. <gasps> so what I'm about to explain is something you have never seen. Oh. My. God. Line of coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, we need to do a few bumps to get through this. We need, exactly. to, we need to. Definitely. Um, so this scene happens in the girl's bedroom. Joe is there oh. burying her head in the books because she's still in this, I got to find a major. They want me to pick a major. Bada bang. <laughs> <laughs> and then Blair comes in and uh, their eyes lock. And without saying a word, they just start making out and kissing and tearing each other's clothes off. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, no, sorry. Yeah, no, no. That's no, a different no. show. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. yeah. That mm -hmm. was a whole different movie, yeah. Um, that was the Katie Lang podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it is literally just more reinforcements of what we already know. The scene, honestly, is pretty extractable. Uh, and apparently. Blair, uh, yeah, apparently. And it's just more of Blair being caught in her own little thing and... Uh, and Joe, you know, Blair being in her groove about dating, dating, Joe being in her groove about books, books, uh, though it does come about that they are in the same economics class. And Blair does say, would you read me your notes while I'm changing to save time? And Joe's like, I don't have time to do that. And you wouldn't need me to do that if you would show up to your economic, if you would show up to class. So that's the only little thing that, uh, is dropped. And, uh, we do have a zinger from Joe. Too bad the gong show is over. You'd do a great impression of a jackass. I do ah. want to bring that point up because they actually either imply a curse word or actually use some pretty saucy language throughout this episode. Like at one point when everything starts to go bad, Natalie's like, going, oh, it's really going to hit the fan. And the phrase is that hits the fan. Yeah. You know, and then she calls her a jackass. There's also another one where like she calls her a snake. I mean, there's all these insults and yeah. just foul language and implications of curse words. I'm like, what is happening here? Is yeah. this the facts of life in the Bronx? What's happening? <laughs> so then the next scene, we're back down in the living room. We have Tootie and Natalie talking about this permanent file thing. Um, Natalie trying to... <laughs> trying to weed the garden of her seventh grade teacher. It is just so fucking ludicrous. Yeah, this whole permanent no file. It doesn't make any sense, but it's the thing they need Natalie to be fixated on. And the um, thing is, even back then, like uh, the permanent record was your scary thing, but the permanent record that any college is going to look at is your high school one. They're not even going to, like even in high school, they would tell you, they're only going to look at like your high school years and probably only the last two or three. They're not going back to like, you know, you ate some paste in second grade. That's just ridiculous. No. So, I mean, it was such a forced... Natalie needs something to do in this episode thing yeah. that was like, come on now. And I have a way that it could have worked better, but I'm going to save it. Okay. But, but put a pin in that, please. Okay. Um, Joe was sitting at the dining room table. 
Again, in the books. That shows things. In the books, pick a major. In the books, pick a major. Blair comes downstairs and enters the door. There's another date waiting for her. She calls him Russ twice. It has to be corrected to Ron. And um, out she goes. Mrs. Garrett's like, when are you going to be back? I hope it's not too late. It's a school night. And Blair's like, <laughs> school night? Mrs. Garrett, that is so high school. And Tootie's like, what's that supposed to mean? Because Just Tootie- that, you're in high school and we're done with you, Tootie. Yeah. We're over you, Tootie. <laughs> Natalie's a senior. And this is the beginning of the school year slash January beginning of the- School, we don't fucking know the timeline, so just yeah, never mind. But never she's mind. wearing the power blazer, so you're no longer relevant, so thanks. Yeah, yeah mm. get a blazer, Tootie, then come back to us. Right. <laughs> this now, actor... I do want to point out, this is where the mystery moment comes back. What is Blair wearing when she goes on this date? Is she wearing a red dress, I believe? Yes. So when she came back from the date, the original date, the first date, which is considered the acceptable date because she was just late. She's wearing tan, a neutral color. Now she's going out on the second date and she's wearing head to toe red. So depending on how you read it, it's either a Heather's moment where she's doing the power thing or it's the Jezebel moment because she's wearing hooker red and going out on a second date in one day. What moral decay is this, ladies and gentlemen? She is a hua. She's a hua. I mean, honestly, it's like she comes down in head to toe red and suddenly she's saucy and be like, I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to come back. I'm yeah. going to go out. I'm going to do this. And it's like, as wrong as it is, it's like, uh, she's totally right. She's an adult at this point. So she doesn't really have to tell you anything. So, uh, but yeah, she's being rude. I mean, I mean you know, yeah. She, she is being rude, but this this is at the, the very, very core of it, this tiny little nugget of the center of this is, I think, what could have been an interesting subject matter for a show of who are they to each other now? Mrs. Garrett yeah. is not their fucking mother, but mm-hmm. the idea is that you still live under her roof, you are still her employees, and she has, to some extent, taken you on and is claiming some responsibility for you. Yeah, it's so, like it's a it's a family you choose moment as opposed to the family you have moment. It's yeah. like you chose to be in that situation. So, you know, what are you doing? So yeah, Exactly, exactly. Uh, so with uh, Blair's departure and Tootie starting to get saucy and annoyed because she's being dismissed because she's young, there was an earlier comment about... Um, Natalie saying that, well, you're a junior and I'm a senior. We we live in different galaxies. And Tootie's retort is, yeah, why don't you go to a galaxy far, far away? Wow, what is that reference? I don't know. It seems obscure. Never seems heard of it. Obscure. It won't go Never anywhere. That's all I'm saying. Nope, exactly. <laughs> Talk about a time capsule. I <laughs> know, really. <laughs> you, you want a joke? Give me an evergreen joke, kids. <laughs> so then well, we go... Soft as an easy chair. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so then we go on to the next morning. It is breakfast time. We have a funny, wacky little thing of Joe performing this weird cutting pattern with her sausage. And the girl's going, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I'm thinking I might want to be a surgeon. So I'm practicing making my cuts. Hey. 
It's a little different from all the throats I had to slit back in my days in the mob, but you know. I know. It was once again so natural and so unforced that moment, you know. Yeah. And then we do have a, a racy, saucy little moment here where uh, it, it is noted that Blair is not there. All the other <gasps> three are there, but Blair's not. And Mrs. Garrett says, uh, I can't believe Blair stayed out all night. She says, And she says, I hope she didn't have an accident. And Joe says, yeah, anything Blair did last night was no accident. And Natalie and Tootie go, oh, like that meaning that, oh, she was probably a fucking a dude or a couple. Mm -hmm. Sauce. There was definite sauce there. Sauce Mm -hmm. and sass. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the new buddy cop TV show that you and I are going to pitch to the networks. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, then Tootie and Natalie start to leave for school and Tootie has on lime green tights and gray leg warmers. Which makes no sense. (laughs) No. And then Mrs. Garrett trying to have to go into fucking parent mode again. She's like, what are you wearing? Which I clearly didn't see when you came down for breakfast or I walked in the room when you were already seated. And Judy says, I'm expressing my creativity. Why? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And there's a few lines that are cut from the syndicated version where Mrs. Garrett says, you can't go to school like that. And Tootie says, why? The worst they can do is send me home. And I wanted Mrs. Garrett to say, it's a fucking uniform. Look up the definition of the word uniform. That's all she had to say was you can't wear that to school. It's not the uniform. And she does say it. It makes it into the episode where she says, you can't wear that to school. I went to Catholic school. There was a uniform. You know, you the, yeah. the only variation was maybe the color of your tie. And the, because it was the 80s, we got away with neon. And that's about it. You know, everything else was set. They're not going to do lime green tights with purple leg warmers. And it also makes no sense. Up to this point, Tootie's beef has been, I'm young and everyone's ignoring me. And now she's like, I need to express my creativity. Oh, Did something new happen? Because this wasn't what you were talking about up to this point of the episode. Now you're just going to express your creativity, whatever, whatever. And that's it. The lack of clarity in the writing is that this is 2D clearly just needing to be noticed because the other girls are going through shit. That is a little more important. That does pertain to life, college majors, and Mm -hmm. Natalie preparation for graduation in college. It's like 2D... This is not wrong. From a writing standpoint, those are three things that absolutely would take priority over a fucking high school junior. It's like, girl, sit in the corner, you know, look at your history notes, do your homework, and, you know, you we will deal with you when we have to deal with this shit with you. But, um, and she's gone to Eastland long enough that she knows. She no knows the ever, uniform. No. She knows the uniform. And it's been it's noted like, many times on the podcast that Joe even wearing the tie open, the collar open and the tie slightly undone and the sleeves rolled up. Uh, many guests, Martin, who like, you know, uh, went to a Catholic, they're like, that would never have flown. And I'm like, nope. No. And it's it's the equivalent of the, uh, the po- she's got a ponytail, you know, how is she rough and tumble? Well, her tie's loose, you know, yeah. and her sleeves are rolled up. She's a rebel. Yeah. She's a badass. <laughs> So Blair finally breezes in all happy 
And Mrs. Garrett is understandably angry. She's like, where the fuck have you been? I was worried sick. And Blair's just like, oh, the gang went out for coffee. And Mrs. Garrett says, where? In Boston? And Blair says, yes. Which my brain immediately went bullshit because it takes like four hours at least from where you are to drive to get to Boston. If not, I think it's like almost six hours. Like there's no way you drove to Boston and back. It's three and a half. But even so, three, okay, three and a half hours. A round trip is seven hours. You drove three and a half hours to get coffee in Boston and came back. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Plus, her hair was still perfect. I'm like, no, girl, you'd be walking in looking (laughs) rough as anything. I used to do the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We would drive from Cornell to Rochester and then go to Perkins, like you do, and then come come back. And by the time we rolled home at like 5.45 in the morning, we looked like death. And we crawled (laughs) our sorry asses into our dorm rooms, collapsed, and woke up at like 2 in the afternoon just in time to go grab lunch uh, and like, no. Mm-hmm. Now, Miss Thing. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, that's it. And but this is supposed to exemplify. Well, she's a free wheeling, free spirited college student, and college mm-hmm. students are impulsive and do things like that. And I'm out sowing my oats and being sociable and running from myself. We don't learn that deep moment until later. I was yeah. truly moved. Oh, uh, I, I had a movement. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Um, but th- it's funny you bring up Cornell because you did go there. There was an earlier episode this season where Natalie was going on a date with a guy who was on the wrestling team. And he said, well, could we not go on our date? I had a bad meet and we know we've got a tough team that we're facing. And my coach wants me to go watch them and check them out. They're playing at Cornell. Yay. Which is three and a half hours the other way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's way in the boonies. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's quite far away. You don't just hop and skip and jump there the same no. way the Golden Girls never just popped up to Disney as they would sometimes mention doing. Uh-huh. Four hours, Miami. Yeah, really? To Orlando. So Mrs. Garrett, while she is starting to lay into Blair about Why didn't you pick up the phone to call me so I wouldn't worry? And then uh, there's something about Natalie saying, next year I'm going to be in college and I can do stuff like this. And then Tootie starts laying in and being a little fucking bitch about, oh, so this is that there's one set of rules for the big kids at this house, but a different set of rules for me. And thankfully, at least this line is spoken. And this is the line that's kind of one of the most important, I believe, where Mrs. Garrett says, we don't have two sets of rules. What we have in this house is a mutual agreement as to what is acceptable behavior. And I would have loved to have it go to the next point of and respecting each other and respecting me as the person who is essentially taking responsibility for you. Not said, should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe says she's got to get to an economics test. Blair's like, there's an economics test. And Mrs. Garrett's like, you've been cutting class too. I know the hits just keep coming. And finally, Mrs. Garrett, the, the, finally, this scene culminates right before the commercial with Mrs. Garrett grounding Blair. Uh, she doesn't ground her. She grounds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's and, a. And but after that, Blair comes right back with 
You're not my mother, or my guardian, or my conscience. You are my landlady. Dang. I know that was... mm -mm. That was cold. Fuck. Mm. That was cold. See, now that, to me, though, set up the rest of the episode and missed a major opportunity. Because once she said she's your landlady, I was like, really? Okay. Start paying rent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be like, okay, you're going to start paying rent then. And I'm not cooking. Like, and then it could have been like, and I'm not cooking for you. Your landlady doesn't cook for you. Yeah. I'm not doing your laundry. Your landlady doesn't do your laundry. You know, like, I don't do this. I don't do that. It's like, you know, yeah. if I'm your landlady, okay. You know, but, I mean. But it- that relates to my earlier problem of you, 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 you know, I'm your landlady, but Blair works for her paying rent is supposed to be by nature of working for the store. What would have been interesting is if she said, Blair, you're fired. And yeah. I better say, what do you mean I'm fired? And have her say, you are clearly acting irresponsibly and I won't have someone irresponsible working for me or my business. So therefore, I am no longer your employer. You just live here. And like you said, I'm your landlady. So I'll be presenting you tomorrow with a lease. You will start paying me rent. And yep. you will no longer be uh, entitled to food with the conditions of your living here. Fuck yes. Mrs. Garrett could have done that. And it would have made sense with this nebulous agreement about what the what the living arrangements really and truly are. Mm-hmm. That's always been a beef of mine. But is it not the point of the episode? Working it out. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, man. And then Blair's last lines are, I am leaving and I will be back when I get back. Mm-hmm. And out she goes. And then we go to commercial. Fuck, dude. But she did have to go take the economics test, which she clearly hadn't been to class for or had the notes <laughs> for or take. See, no, the only moral punishment she has in this entire episode is her economics grade is going to be horrid, which Blair's only economics she needs to know is how rich are you before I marry you? Because that's the only economics grade she needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other uh, thing that also relates to this is Blair is fucking rich. So Blair could afford rent. If Mrs. Garrett said, you have to start paying rent now, Blair could have been like, fine, tell me how much. I'll write you a check. But I've always said, Blair, you are fucking rich. Why did Blair not just buy a house or an apartment or something, some place of her own where she could live and then Joe could live with her and eat her pussy? But the deal is, so far, this is a good just moment to take stock of where are we in the episode? Mm -hmm. Did we need all of this other shit for the girls? Did we need Tootie? And Tootie's about to enter into the bedroom wearing a headband and feathers now. This whole Tootie deciding she needs to find herself or she needs to not be treated like a baby or she, you know, needs to be included. And and Natalie with this permanent record and wearing a blazer. And Joe, it's like, wh- why is this episode so dense when it could have, should have been about simply Blair is acting up, Blair is acting weird, to the point of defying Mrs. Garrett to her face. <gasps> I mean, it's not like the show hasn't done that before. Typically, we have one storyline mm-hmm. per episode. Occasionally, we do get a B story. Rarely, we have seen a C story. But with this, we have an A, B, C, D, F story, where mm-hmm. it's like the, this Chinese food and cooking dinner thing is like its own plot. I know. It's, it's just, oh, it's so overstuffed when the topic and the idea of it is deceptively simple. 
in terms of it's just all this episode should have been about was just Blair now as an adult and an adult struggling with a truly adult quandary Uh of dealing with that and how it's like, and you're not a high school girl anymore where you can get away with this, with this shit. It's like, no, no, no. You got to step up now and deal with your shit and also be respectful to those around you who want to help. Uh That would have been a great episode. We didn't get that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no. We didn't get that. Speaking of which, when they come back and the scene between Natalie and and Tootie, where Tootie walks in wearing some headband with the feathers, I'm like, oh, Lord, the 80s. First off, Mm. the 80s. Jesus, Mary. (laughs) Yep. Secondly, I'm like, you know, by, you know, it's like, is it Native American? Kind of, but it's more like share Native American. And And then the black girl's wearing it. And I'm like, this isn't a win on any level. No. This is nothing. Yeah. You know, but I did love when Natalie's just like, why do you have dead birds inside your head? Yes. And Mrs. Garrett later says, I'm afraid if they touch, they would multiply. Uh, <laughs> so as we get back from, like I said, the commercial, Tootie, headband, feathers, girls, uh, T- Tootie and Natalie having a nice sort of interchange. And this is where they try to do their best to wrap up Natalie's story. They're like, okay, we've got to get something off of the fine china plate of uh-huh. this episode. So it's like, well, Natalie, Tootie says she was planning on stealing yeah. Natalie's permanent record. Like you just, you distract the teacher. I'll sneak into the room. Natalie does say, um, never mind. It's okay. I've decided to live in the present and, you know, look to my future, which may be boring because I'm going to have to behave so much. But basically, Natalie just sort of goes, eh, I'm not worried about it anymore. Ta-da. Pretty much. It was just like, oh, that whole thing that was my motivation this whole episode, it's done now for no good reason. I just decided, bye. Thanks. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Nice, nice work, writers. Polish mm-hmm. off those Emmys. Man. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, Natalie refers to the teacher as Miss Downs. Miss Downs was the drama teacher. Maybe she got like drunk and then she got stuck in the office. She got put on administrative (laughs) for like embarrassing drunken episodes. I want to say maybe she got promoted to guidance counselor or or principal or something. But, you know, Miss Downs, it's like she is the one who directed uh, South Pacific when Tootie and Natalie were arguing over who was going to get to play Nellie Forbush. And that was, I believe, season three, the episode called Green-Eyed Monster, where Miss Downs was the drama teacher. So now somehow she's something else because the writers couldn't come up with another name. At least it wasn't Miss Parker because the writers have, at this point, five times used the name Parker as the last name for a side character or someone they're talking about, which infuriates me to no end, as I'm sure you would expect. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So then um, Mrs. Garrett comes in with a clipboard and she's like, girls. And they're like, Mrs. Garrett, who's minding the store if you're up here? And she says, well, why don't you check the schedule and find out? Because guess what? It's about to fucking be you guys. And it's the same thing of why would you disrespect this woman who has done everything for you? But... um. With them taking off, Mrs. Garrett and Joe are left alone. 
and Joe, uh, you uh, know, uh, no, no, we can't skip where Joe was during this whole conversation that she was freaking hiding in the bathroom. I'm like, what oh. was that awkward crap of her sitting in the bathroom the whole time? I'm like what? Yeah. I mean, first of all, her coming in with the clipboard to me was like, oh, this is how Mrs. Garrett is going to start to take control of things. She has this strict schedule that everyone has to follow from now on. And that point just kind of gets lost. I'm like, it's, is this the normal thing? Is this the, what, is this a new thing? It's just like, oh, here's a clipboard and you're supposed to be downstairs mining the store, which by the way, if she took the time to walk upstairs, the store has not been minded now for quite some time. I'm like, <laughs> let's hope no one's in Edna's edibles because no one's behind the counter. So help yourself to a cupcake, kids. Have a good time. <laughs> And there's Joe in the closet. I mean, in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> and what does Mrs. Garrett say when she's like, where is Joe? And as Tootie and Natalie leave, they're like, oh, she's in the bathroom. And Natalie says, like, she's been in there a long, a long time. time. And she hasn't, first mm -hmm. of all. And secondly, Mrs. Garrett goes to the door and says something like, uh, have you tried more fiber? Like, roughage. it's a fucking... Roughage. roughage. She uses yeah. roughage, yes, which is a very 80s term for fiber. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's we we call it fiber now. But it's like, mm -hmm. that's a fucking poop joke. What is that doing here? Yep. Wasn't even justified either. Out comes no. Joe going, oh, I was just in there so I could look at my mages. You know, like yeah. Major Tom and uh, Major... <laughs> Major Healy from uh, I Dream exactly. of Genie. Uh Major Cleavage from the Mamie Van Doren movie. Um, Lee Majors from the $6 million Domi <laughs> Man. <-Nate. laughs> uh, but no, Joe says that's the only place she could find quiet to be again, going over her books because I got the books and the books are needing my, my book-like attention because of the booking bookiness of it. It's Lots just of books. like, ugh, so fucking one note. And... Joe says, I don't have time to listen to everyone else's problems. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Garrett says something like, well, I've got some problems. And then Joe goes, oh, ding, maybe I should be a psychiatrist. Tell me all about it. They make barrels of money. How you doing? Bada yeah. boom. <laughs> oh, and a little bit that was cut from syndication is that Joe does say to Tootie, uh, Tootie, how much money does your mother make? And Tootie's like, what? And she says... Your mother's a lawyer, and she's the only honest lawyer I know, and I'm wondering, is there any money in that? And Tootie, just sort of a little bit annoyed, says, uh, she makes enough to send me to the Eastland School for Girls, but not enough to buy me leather pants. So maybe that means she has taste more than yeah. really money? is that mm -hmm. taste versus money? But mm -hmm. anyhow, so the joke is about to say, uh, she does well enough. But so Joe was just in this, maybe I should be this, maybe I should be, th it's like, girl. That's that I hate to tell you this, writers. That's not how college works. Yeah, you should choose a major. So what you do is you just pick any major and say, I might change it later. But the idea that this is a I gotta make this decision and it's gonna be with me for the rest of my life. And it's like, stop. Just stop. You know what that is? What? One note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So Mrs. Garrett does start to confide in her and she says this nice thing about, my problem is things are changing so fast. You girls are growing up and maturing and doing adult things. So it is Mrs. Garrett saying, I'm struggling with this too. 
that like she's aware that this is not a one-sided thing. It is kind of a what role do I play in your lives now? And uh, before we're able to have any sort of a tender moment or realization or have Joe help her, in comes Blair being carried by a boy. Giggling and all. <laughs> Very hot boy, by the way. Mm. And the response is, what, what the fuck is happening? And she's like, oh, we were playing Gone with the Wind. And, and thankfully, they do say explicitly, Mrs. Garrett says, uh, since when do you bring a boy up to your bedroom unannounced? And and she's right there. That's fucking bullshit. It's like, no, 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 no. And before we continue with this conflict, this new um, continued pouring salt on the wound of this conflict between Blair and Mrs. Garrett, the actor playing George, the one who carries her up and then is very quickly dismissed. Uh, his name is Tom Eplin, E-P-L-I-N. After this, Martin, he would go on in 1985 to be in 170 episodes of Another World over 14 years in the role of Jake McKinnon. And if you do uh, look up and Google Tom Eplin, you do find him on the covers of Soap Opera Digest and all that stuff, pictures of his wedding and all that. But yeah, he also so had a- fact of life basically made him is what I'm hearing. Uh, this I was mean, the career beginner. Yeah, yes, the career was. beginner. Um, he also had a short stint on As the World Turns, but nothing to the extent of um, of another but then world. Then the world stopped turning, and then you know, like well, <laughs> like sands through the hourglass. It, it is. So are the days. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just want to say before we leave this guy, we have the three actors who played the boyfriends, the dates: Matthew Beck, Paul Richards, and Tom Eplin. Not a one of them ever comes back to the facts of life, either as a boyfriend in the same role, in a different role, never again to appear. So hello and goodbye. Blair's boy toys. That's where we're going to put them down. Huh? We should. Boy toys. Yeah. Oh, look at the blog. One of my listeners actually took like screenshots of all of the guys, all the hot guys who appeared in the facts of life and then found other pictures of them. And uh, yeah, it's it's surprising how many there are. So we're left with Joe and Blair and Mrs. Garrett and the real confrontation of what the fuck is going on with you. And Mrs. Garrett says to her, you've been irresponsible, inconsiderate, and downright nasty. That's not the Blair I know. And I have to point out that there are those times when Charlotte Ray is playing anger and she punches a word. And in this one, she says, you've been irresponsible, inconsiderate, and downright nasty. <laughs> That's not the Blair I know. I like how that last one sounded like a spaceship taking off. And so uh, with that, that's just one of those Charlotte Ray moments of, girl, you don't need to punch it and push it that hard. And she sometimes does. But well, there, uh, there's a moment, too, that relates to the scene that really stuck with me. At one point, I think as Natalie mentions that there's a moving truck outside. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like a major red herring. I was like, oh, Mrs. Garrett's putting her foot down and like, oh, if I'm your landlady, move out. You know, yeah. or 
that Blair said, oh, you want me out? Fine. I'm just going to move out. So they mentioned this moving truck. Twice. I'm they thinking, mentioned it. Oh, yes. There's going to be some serious consequences now. And then it turns into the, you know, fluff fest of meh that we uh, end it's, up with. <laughs> a lot of abandonment issues going on with this episode. Yes. That's right. one of the abandoned things. Um, so then uh, in response to that's not the Blair I know, Blair says, sure it is. I'm exactly what Joe always said I was. I'm flighty, I'm shallow, and I'm a snake. Yep. And Joe does correct her and says, I never called you a snake. A jackass. Yes, never uh -huh. snake. Funny line. I liked it. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Garrett says, you weren't this way before. What happened? You never brought Cliff upstairs like that. She and never had a second cup of coffee at home. <laughs> <laughs> and then Blair does, there's a reaction from Blair when Cliff's name is brought up. And Joe, being the intuitive spouse that Joe is when it comes to her girlfriend, Joe is like, wait a minute. This is all about Cliff, isn't it? Cliff dumped you, didn't he? That's what this is. You're going nuts because he broke off the engagement with you. And then she adds, huh, maybe I'll be a detective. And then the response is, you'd be a poor one because I dumped him. Dun, dun, dun. And the root of all of this, I'm not going to, I've, I've transcribed most of the script verbatim here and I need to stop doing that. Blair is in this downward spiral because Cliff was her first serious relationship and she fell out of love with him, even though she sees that he was giving, intelligent, and adorable. And uh -huh. so basically she says, I'm a horrible person because I'm not capable of loving someone that I perceive to be so amazing. And then we get Blair... It happens to people all the time. And Blair says, not nice, responsible people. I'll never forget the look on his face. What kind of a person could do that? So it's just Blair hating herself. Well, what's great is, is Mrs. Garrett does have a line too, where she's like, would you rather you wait years from now and find out? And you talk about your punch thing. She's like, when you got married. And, it was like, <laughs> and two kids later. I know. Yeah. Like, she really hit that word married and sort of bludgeoned it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So with this, the walls quickly come tumbling down in sitcom land as they do. And Mrs. Garrett does say, People do fall out of love. And what kind of a person could do that? An honest person. This is the better, this is the lesser of two evils that you had to break his heart versus going on and living a lie. Uh, and then Tootie and Natalie somehow come back into the room. I don't remember why or how, and I don't really care. And then Blair turns to Mrs. Garrett and says, I've been terrible. I will be grounded. I accept your punishment. I'll mm -hmm. follow all the rules and regulations of the house. And then Mrs. Garrett comes back with, I was wrong to ground you this morning. And Tootie is like, no, you weren't. Fuck this. <laughs> and back to, wait a minute. I couldn't wear my ugly tights to school and she gets to mouth off at you? Fuck this, bitch. And Blair even says someone has to take responsibility. And Mrs. Garrett, this is a rare, subtle moment where Mrs. Garrett kind of throws up her hands and shrugs and says, well, not me. Meaning, I'm not going to take responsibility for all of this shit 
that really is, as of now, on you guys. You're grownups now. You're 20. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wish it had been for how unsubtle so much of this is. These subtle moments sometimes drive me even crazier because Mrs. Garrett totally could have said, no, that's she could have said what I just said, and it would have been perfectly at home uh, dialogue wise. So Blair says, well, where does that leave me? And Mrs. Garrett says, on your own two feet. And. But I have to say, in that moment, Charlotte Ray is looking at her like it either could be read as, you know, concerned for you, but still caring or serial killer. I'm going to eat your eyeball (laughs) because she's like on your own. And she's just staring at her like on your own. Jesus Christ. Did the meds just kick in? What happened? On your own. And I know you sleep so deeply. Exactly. But uh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I I didn't notice any creep factor, but I was too busy. I had my head down writing my notes and notes about this. And then we have a great moment that I wish was better earned. Mrs. Garrett says, we all make mistakes. Sometimes it hurts. And that's how we grow. And I'm here if you ever need anyone to bounce things off of. Subtle, beautiful, where Mrs. Garrett is finally saying, I think I need to work on being your friend more than your mother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is where I'm going to stop one second and say, this is how we could have tied everything together. Way, way, way better. When Blair says somebody has to take responsibility... And Mrs. Garrett says, not me. This is where Tootie does chime in with, what, you mean she's going to get away with that? She's going to what? And then with that, with Tootie saying, well, if you're not going to be responsible, who is? To Mrs. Garrett. And then Mrs. Garrett say, that's not me anymore. Natalie, you're about to be 18. Natalie's about to turn 18. Blair and Joe, you're both 20. I can't be your guardian, your mother anymore. And Yes, Tootie, there will be different rules for you. And when you are an adult and responsible for yourself, then you will enjoy everything. Just like every kid, every teenager that has ever been a part of a family before you has had to cope with. And they kind of talk about it. I mean, she does say Blair's 20 and you're in high school, but it's that one line instead of like really bringing the point home. It's like you're underage. She is not. Blair could walk out the door tomorrow and I would have zero to say about it. You walk out the door tomorrow, I'm calling the police and dragging your ass back. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like, there's the difference. And Martin, here is where I'm, I'm pre-patting myself on the back because I think this is pretty fucking clever. Um, I hope it comes out as well as I imagine it in my head. I'm, I'm, my nipples are erect, please <laughs> And then Blair could turn to Mrs. Garrett and say, but I treated you so horribly. I was so disrespectful. I I don't see how in the world you could ever forgive me. And have Mrs. Garrett turn to Blair and say, Blair, if I'm not going to be your guardian or your mother, I'm going to be your friend. And when it comes to friendship, there are no permanent records. <gasps> that would have been good. Booyah, mic drop moment. I'm a fucking writer, bitches. There you go. 
And uh, for the record, that statement is untrue. I remember every slight that any friend has ever done to me ever <laughs> in the history of ever and can reference it at a moment's notice. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah. Well, vindictive bitchery aside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's, you know, you know. But wouldn't that have been everything all pulled together in that number one? I'm I'm not going to ground you or demand that whatever. Hmm. We're going to have rules. The the rules of this house are not going to be you have to be certain places certain time. The rules are we're just going to treat each other with common courtesy and respect. Mm-hmm. And then to tie it up with 2D dealing with this two sets of rules, it's like, bitch, you're underage. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't know I'm, why you're so angry at 2D. You were like really wound up about it. <sighs> that's the point. She is a kid. And if you're the, I mean, you're, I was the youngest of four. So mm-hmm. I remember feeling like, why do they get to do this stuff? And I don't. And of course, looking back now, it's like, cause you're a freaking kid, yeah. you know? And then you realize when you get to that older age, uh, it's just a whole new set of rules. You know, it's not like you're like yeah. free <laughs> yes. and clear, you know, it's like yes. it's just a different set of rules and you think they're doing all this cool stuff. It's like, no, no, it's not a cool yeah. stuff. Having a job, not cool. Having a job is work. Uh, yeah. That's why it's called work. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're you're being too harsh on poor toots there. No, I'm you're not. Being too Does harsh Tootie... on the toots. No, why, it's the no, harsh no, on no. the toots, dude. No, you're harsh on the toots. I am not. Tootage. No, I am. I am totes on the toots for good reasons. <laughs> there you go. Um, because when she plays little snotty bitch, it's just I fucking hate her. It's so annoying, and the fact is that it's for her argument that. Um, you're treating me like a baby, that there's two sets of rules. It's like, you want to know it's a sign of immaturity when there's clearly one thing going on and you have to insert your thing into it. This is a conflict between Blair and Mrs. Garrett. Mm-hmm. And you're having to be all, well, what about me? And how does it, why don't you punish her? It's like, you are literally arguing against them treating you like an immature baby by exhibiting behaviors of an immature baby. And Fuck you wore tootie. lime, you wore like limeish yellow highlighter leggings with yeah. lavender, which even in the eighties was tragedy and should never have happened. Yes. So. Yeah. The, the tights and the leggings were unforgivable enough. I know. Right. This was just fuel on the fire girl. But what was beautiful about that moment was once Mrs. Garrett says, I'm just going to let you all do your thing. Mm. Then the episode just kind of ended. And I'm like, Wait, wait, that was it? That yeah. that was that was the end. Yeah, they're all was... walking out and Mrs. Garrett's like, it's, you know, hey, this is all going to be, you know, everything's going to work itself out. Y'all are kind of on your own a bit. And Tootie just says, well, you're going to have your hands full. Roll of the eyes. <laughs> and the episode ends there. Uh-huh. Well, but yeah, the episode came to a bizarre end where mrs garrett's basically like well let's all be friends and and everything is just uh, we'll see I'm like, yeah what it, it the peters- episode's called working it out and they didn't <laughs> they they worked it out by going eh, well yeah the thing you know i don't mean to say anything but joe didn't pick a major boom where's my major I don't oh my know. god I don't a major <laughs> you're totally right and we never even got a a, a thing about that about I Uh cannot even. And what, even if it could have been Joe major in research, look at how you've been so diligently studying up for this. Why not? Anyway, 
that's yeah, that's that's upsetting. And I actually hadn't realized that till you pointed it out to me. So I hate this episode all over again. I know it was weird. Like I got to the end of the episode. I went, wait, that was it. What, mm-hmm. what kind of resolved here? Well, and my thing is that there have been episodes about so much less uh-huh. than the one singular storyline of Blair dealing with the breakup and acting out and really struggling with what that says about her and her future and her life and stuff. There have been episodes about so much less than that. Why did this have to be about that? And why did they feel the need to throw all that other shit into the pot that did not need to be there? Yeah, the whole episode was just like, all over the place, and then it came to a really unsatisfying ending. It's like, yeah. we're going to end on a definite meh. How yeah. Meh? Definite meh, yeah. You know? and It was, it was like, you know, like, because even the applause at the end, I mean, you know it's canned, but it was like even the canned applause was like, oh, do we have to? Okay. All right. Yeah, I guess. All yeah. right. We'll applaud because it, we'll yeah. it's over. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> thankfully. It's like, can we go to lunch now? Well... Martin, it's been great. We we actually, we are good friends in that we do keep in touch and do talk to each other outside of this. Well, this actually, isn't... mostly it's me. You're, you're pretty terrible at it. But yes, continue. <laughs> That's going on your permanent record, bitch. With friendships, there are no permanent records. <laughs> <laughs> but with friendships, Martin... There are thank yous, there are appreciative smooches, and there are heartfelt goodbyes. Goodbye. Oh, oh bye. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. And there you have it. That was Martin Kunz. That's my friend. Uh, one thing I didn't get to mention during the show, and I think it's kind of important, when Blair's watch beeps, and she's like, oh, the date is over. D- did you think what I thought? Did you think, oh, is is that the $300 Casio watch that she sued Joe over a couple weeks ago? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that too. Weird though, with the episodes being shot out of order, that that episode, The Rich Aren't Different, would actually not be recorded until four months after this episode. It's just so confusing, and I obsess over it too much. I'm glad, as of next week, we're kind of back to a regular, in order, as they were made, as they were broadcast, for the most part. So, for my sanity's sake, that is a good thing. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 6, Episode 16, Jazzbo. And you can watch the show for free at dailymotion.com. I'll post a link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That's all for now. As always, thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Visit my website, facethefactspod.com, for supplemental photos and videos, audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to my social media, and ways that you can support the show financially. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever fine podcasts are found. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>